Hello, and welcome back to Stuck in the Middle Kingdom with you. I'm Adam, an English teacher who went to China in 2014 and taught English in a small city near Shanghai. This podcast tells the story of my troubled first year, so if you're new to the show, I'd encourage you to start at the beginning. That said, alongside the main story, many episodes focus much more on other issues about Chinese history and culture, and you don't really need to be following the story to listen to that part. Okay, on with the show. Previously on Stuck in the Middle Kingdom with you, a couple of episodes about Maoism around the world. But previously before that, back in the school, as we approached a large red building with flags and yellow buses parked outside, I moaned with anxiety. That place really looked like a school. I was so not up for it. In a presidential room with a long, shiny wooden table, the teachers were seated. There were four Chinese staff smiling at us from across the table. It turned out that Jane was the vice principal. After the meeting, Jane caught me in the hallway. "And you have a wife?" she said. "No, no. There are many women here," she went on. "Single women, very versatile. You can ask me if you want some advice or help, okay? Could she have been pulling the strings? And if so, to what end?" Autumn was struggling against the unstoppable charge of winter. I was still in denial that winter in Changshu would be anything but a vaguely chilly summer. One evening, shivering uncontrollably in the bathroom, I realized that I was becoming fairly unwell, and arrived the next morning in front of my class, propped myself up on the desk, and said, "Good morning, everyone." Aside from the standoffs between various foreign teachers and the claustrophobia of living within a school, the kids were getting comfortable with me, and thus more naughty. But Mark dismissed this, saying teaching first grade was so easy a monkey could do it. But who could have known that this kid was gonna get up, walk across the room, and start eating glass? He also told us that we, as foreign teachers, sink or swim together, and he felt that some teachers were not pulling their weight to support the cause. Quite what the cause was, I wasn't sure. This darkening atmosphere was the last thing I needed. He berated us all for the negative atmosphere and stated that some of us were psychopaths. People were allegedly swearing at kids, throwing objects around in the classroom. Shut up and color," said Arizona man. "That's what they want. Behave like the kids and just do your work." The man used to work in the military. Remember. He could smell this stuff going on. Everyone was feeling pretty dejected, and by everyone I mean the foreign teachers. We, who left our homes and sometimes our families and friends, and sought adventure here in the Middle Kingdom. I'd gotten sick and missed out on seeing the performance that I'd helped my students practice. And Penny was clashing with her Chinese colleagues about getting the grade sevens to learn English, and she'd left a note under my door looking for info on something. Arizona man felt that he and his daughter were being exploited, and Eddie had been throwing objects at students in his class. Which, and I checked my teacher rules handbook on this to make sure. Well, this is a no-no. Anyway, maybe it was time to put all this negativity behind us. A new year in the Georgian calendar had arrived, and although the Chinese would save their New Year for some time in February. We Laowais were able to start afresh with a new sense of vitality. Resolutions were in order, but what should I resolve to do? Dedicate my free time to the school gym, 
fast-track my Chinese learning progress, embrace the cradle of elite's corporate philosophy? The decision would have to wait. It was time for class. The sense of being part of the classroom family was growing, and I was enjoying my role as the playful counterweight to the stern Chinese teachers, and a comfortable pattern to the school week by now formed. My PowerPoint-driven classes had become standardized and comfortably repetitive. On Monday, we would outline a new phonetic rule for the coming week, along with some vocabulary. On Tuesday, we'd read a new story, which would be repeated for the rest of the week. Wednesday was spelling and language games. By Thursday, we were doctoring everyone's names to match the phonetic rules, where Paul becomes Wall and Ray becomes Way. A surprising amount of mileage was gleaned from this activity, although I'd have to keep on constant alert for swear words sneaking in. I'm just thankful we didn't have a student named Hank. Friday would include a teacher's choice class in which we would play games, watch movies, or do craft. After that, the parents would march in and chaos would ensue for an hour or so, while Kelly and I would moan about things on the sidelines. But by this point, Kelly's classes are going quite well. She'd finally shut up about the canteen food. She wanted to be in the school's favour to get some time off, so she'd become something of an angel. Her husband, Ralph was now a paid-up employee working in the management's office, and he was filling Kelly with incendiary insider information, while also tempering her natural proclivity to start moaning about it. What with Kelly making a clean break with a new attitude, maybe I should follow suit. Maybe that could be my New Year's resolution. I decided to give it a try, and quickly realised how boring conversations were with Kelly when we weren't bitching about the school. Mid-sentence, I left and went to the foreign teacher's lounge, where I found Arizona man. He told me, rather cryptically, that Eddie had been, as he put it, removed. Because of that glass shit he was coming out with, he confided. I'm throwing textbooks at kids. It turned out that Eddie was scheduled to leave at the end of the week and was selling stuff to raise money for his wedding, now that he had the extra cost of plane tickets to deal with. His fiancée had only just arrived in China too. This was a pretty remarkable turn of events. Foreign teachers very rarely get fired. Eddie's departure meant the prospect of a new teacher. Arizona man, with his insider knowledge and ability to use neurolinguistic programming and even telepathic powers, had deduced that we might even get more than one teacher. Maybe I should resolve to make more friends, I wondered. Friday night, and Eddie was car boot selling as much of his stuff as possible, taking voluntary donations from anyone who'd offer. While the collection of pots and pans and chipped vase wasn't really worth any money, I figured that the entertainment factor alone was worth a tenner and put in the Chinese rough equivalent, 100 RMB, towards his untimely departure. Appreciate it, Eddie told me. Kind of, you know, reaffirms a little faith in humanity, which is sorely, sorely lacking around here. Take it as an opportunity, said Penny, who was here with me to pilfer Eddie's unwanted gear. You aren't enjoying it here. Classes ain't going well. Now you can focus on what you really want to do. I've got a good mind to join you. Yeah, true, but it's the timing. Me and my girlfriend were going to get married, you know? Now we got to spend all our money on flats. Well, maybe you shouldn't be lugging heavy textbooks at 12-year-olds, I said. But I didn't really say this. Within a few days, Eddie was all but a distant, hairy memory. And we all had more classes to cover. I once again delved into the Biff, Chip and Kipper classics and rejigged my teaching style to the appropriate level for the 12-year-old that Eddie had abandoned. For this age group, there were fewer songs, more frantically competitive games. As the classes went on, I started to enjoy this slightly older, slightly more self-aware group of kids. While half the students were beginning to perfect the skill of indifference, 
the other half had come to develop intellectual interests in things like physics and geography, and we were able to combine the interests in inventions like lava surfing and deep-sea table tennis, both of which I considered to be highly implausible. After work one day, I decided to take a ride on the e-bike. The skies were spitting a half-hearted drizzle. Looking up at the ruffled shades of grey, I concluded that it would rain for years. There was no point delaying a bike ride. I had no waterproof raincoat, but the long jacket I'd bought after the pneumonia kicked the wind out of me would probably do the job. In the underground car park I came across some kind of entity on a bike. It appeared to be human, but was otherwise lacking any identifiable features due to the vast waterproof tarpaulin it had thrown on itself almost randomly. Impressed, I remarked, that's what I need. I'll get you one, said a voice. And with that, she was gone. She won't get me a coat. People say these things. Probably never see her again. But I did see her again. I did. I saw her two days later when she delivered, would you believe it, only a goddamn coat, blue and massive and as thick as a tense ground sheet, to my classroom, to my desk area, and yes, straight onto my desk. I was, at the time, playing animal charades with class, and hence unable to convey my gratitude. Before I knew it, the mystery coat woman, once again, was gone. But her appearance had caught the attention of my co-teacher, Qian, who then shared the story with my other co-teacher, Yun, who told me that it was someone called Su, a biology teacher. Keen to steer clear of gossip, I turned to Lily, teacher of grade one all-girl art class. I sent her a message on WeChat. It went like this. A teacher helped me out recently. She got me a coat. I'd like to contact her to say thanks. Lily said, Yun? I said, Not Yun. A biology teacher. Lily said, I think you can try to date her, if you like her. As you know, we do not know what will happen tomorrow. I said, Tomorrow's Wednesday. I go to the bank. Lily said, Oh, maybe I know that girl, because we only have one biology teacher. Her name is not Sue, it's Shu. But, and at this point, Lily included a sad face. I said, What's that face for? Lily said, First, she has married, just like me. She has a boy. Second, as I know, she is not so real as we see. I said, Not so real as we see? What do you mean? Then, Lily wrote a few messages where she explained that both her and Shu are involved in some kind of scheme where they invest in a charitable organisation which directly helps poor children out in the countryside. And biology teacher Shu had rejected one of the little boy poor children because she wanted a, as she put it, lovely poor girl child to help instead. In the end, someone else had to take on the boy and biology teacher Shu got a girl instead. A not-so-poor girl, according to Lily. In Lily's eyes, this was the behaviour of someone who wasn't all that good at the end of the day. Anyway, at this point, Lily switched to voice messages. The phone pinged. Anyway, she's very pretty, 
and I think, I think if you want to date her, maybe you can, because she stays here herself. Maybe just go back at weekends. So, she is lonely, and you are lonely. So I understand. I can keep it a secret. Like a lover or a girlfriend? No, not a girlfriend. A lover. But don't tell anybody. Okay. As the new year came and a new beginning arrived, here was my colleague encouraging me to have an affair with a married teacher. Should I do it? It wouldn't be the first mistake I'd made since arriving in the Middle Kingdom. Well, before we get to that, let's do a couple of episodes on romance in China, the changing cultural ideas over the generations, and the positions that women have held, from the concubines to the empresses. <laughs> 